when I was in high school, uh, I ran on the, uh, as part of the track team for a while, uh, and especially my first couple of years in high school. So my freshman and sophomore years, I would run the 200 or a half a lap around the track, and I was pretty good at that and did okay. And then uh, a senior on our track team twisted his ankle at one track meet or got injured in some way, and they said, John, we need you to fill in for him. We need you to run the 400, which is a full lap. I, was, I didn't know if I could do that because if you start out too fast on the 400, if you haven't practiced for that, they'll be pulling you in on a rope at the end of this thing because you're out of gas. And, and so I actually finished the race, and at that particular meet, it was a small meet, I won. And so then the track coach said, hey, you need to keep running this more often. And so throughout the season, I would run uh, at this, these two events now and other things and did pretty well. And then we got all the way up to like we were qualifying for the state meet and my time was good enough to do that. And then he uh, came up to me at the beginning of the track meet that day and said, John, we're all counting on you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this thing that had been really a lot of fun, oh my goodness, I couldn't eat all day. I was so distracted. The whole team is counting on me. I'm just a sophomore, and what if I fail, and what if I get off to a bad start, and what if I don't pace myself rightly, and what if, and what if, and what if, and I was so anxious and so distracted, that was the worst time I ran all year. It was horrible. And I was just a ball of anxiety, and afterward, the coach came up to me and said, what happened to you? What was the matter with you? I said, well, you scared the fool out of me when you said we're all counting on you. And he said, I meant that to encourage you. I go, well, don't encourage me anymore, Okay. <laughs> And that's what can happen when we allow anxious thoughts to control us. The dictionary says anxiety is a feeling of worry or nervousness or uneasiness, typically about a looming, impending event. I mean, even when I say looming, impending, you know, it's like, that's what it feels like. And we, get, and we all know that feeling before a big exam or before a big day. Doing a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the groom was nervous beforehand. He goes, "Are you nervous?" I go, "I'm not getting married today, buddy. That's you, okay? Okay." There's nothing wrong with being nervous before a big event, but what happens if that carries on to every day? And now I'm nervous about something all the time, and I live in a feeling of anxiety. What's more common than? Sometimes we, sometimes we think we're the only ones feeling this. Well, I want you to know this is very common. In fact, inside your outline today, point one, it says we all experience times of anxiety. It's not something new. It's in the Bible, a couple of quotes from Job. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest. And trouble just keeps coming. Welcome to anxiety. That's how it feels. No peace, no rest, no joy. Just more trouble. Well, this isn't the way God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to stay perpetually anxious. He doesn't want us to stay all pent up. In fact, that's our first life application today. God doesn't want us to live anxious lives. God doesn't. God doesn't. We do. Sometimes we get used to it and it feels normal, but God doesn't want us to live that way. Peter talked about this, 1 Peter 5. He said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, before we get finished with this message today, we're going to talk about a couple of important ways, or a few important ways to cast our anxiety on God. We'll talk about how to do that. But before we even get there, I think it's real important for us to ask ourselves, Hey, why am I so anxious? 
What makes me so anxious? And that's point two in your outline. It's important to stop and ask, what's going on here? And so I want us to understand the scripture talks this way. David, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. One of the things that has been so important for me in battling anxiety in my life is to realize that difficult circumstances, pressure situations, scary times are going to come my way. Anxious thoughts are going to enter my head. But first, but, and I need to deal with them. And I said, as, as I told you a minute ago, we're going to talk about how to deal with them. But first of all, I need to ask, well, why am I doing things that are allowing more anxious thoughts to need be there? Am I opening the floodgates for this? I mean, that's what David's saying. Lord, would you search me and sh- examine my anxious thoughts? Would you point out anything that needs to change? Paul, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, said, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. And so for the first part of this message here, I just want to walk you through. Uh, I keep a journal of what I'm praying about and you know, what the Lord's showing me on things? Well, it was pretty easy to find a whole bunch of things. In fact, I've listed seven of them where God has shown me when I've been anxious. These are seven things that God has pointed out to me that I don't need to allow in my life. And I'm going to throw them out for you this morning because maybe by looking at this together, maybe God can point out to you some things in your life that you've allowed in that you didn't need to have there either. I mean, David said, search me. Point it out. Show me what needs to be corrected here. So I'm going to have a word of prayer for us before we get any further. I'm going to ask God to examine our hearts and point out anything that needs to change. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, there's not a one of us here who hasn't been anxious at one time or another. And Lord, sometimes the anxiety we experience or the anxious thoughts we experience are because we've opened ourselves up to unneeded stress and unneeded clutter and confusion. And so God... I'm I just pray, Lord, as we go through a list of some things that you've revealed in my life, it'll be helpful to others. I pray, Lord, that you would speak and move me out of the way. Lord, that you would expose in our minds today some attitudes that need to change. Just in a moment of silence, if this is truly a desire of your heart, would you pray right where you are and say, God, would you search my heart, know my anxious thoughts, and point out anything in me that offends you? Do some examination in our lives today, Lord. Speak to us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, point A, there's seven of them. The first of them is this. I may be anxious because I've inserted myself in other people's affairs. Now, this isn't just being a busybody. Sometimes I insert myself in other people's affairs. It could be if I'm a parent, I insert myself in my kids' affairs because they need to be doing this and they need to be doing this and I'm trying to control something. And now all of a sudden I'm really anxious because this isn't working out the way I thought. And now I'm not only dealing with the problems of my life, I'm dealing with the problems in their life. Paul talked about this in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. He said, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. My goodness. I mean, it's just so important for us to understand this. I remember a few years ago I had lunch with a fellow who had... um, was in the Prattville area for a while, and he'd come to our church and just wanted to spend some time getting to know me, and a successful businessman, and um, as he traveled around, he just enjoyed visiting different churches and things, so we sat down and had a pretty good lunch, but he um, apparently noticed that I was kind of distracted about some things that were heavy on my mind that day, 
when I walked in and other things like this. And so the next day, he came by my office, and uh, he said, I just have a gift for you. And if you don't know what this is, this is a little plastic game set, a barrel of monkeys. Anybody ever seen this? Have you seen it? Okay, you kind of, the way you play the game is you dip these monkeys' arms into the barrel, and they, uh, you know, you lift out a chain, and whoever gets the longest chain, I guess, wins. And I said, you want me to play a game of a barrel of monkeys? And he said, no, he had come from Polish ancestry. And he said, I noticed you were kind of distracted at our lunch the other day. And he said um, that his grandparents had passed on to him a saying that the Polish people have about making sure we're not getting ourselves into other people's business. It goes like this, not my circus, not my monkeys. And he said, if you can imagine a big top circus where a whole cage of monkeys has been released and trying to gather them in, well, if it's not your circus, that's not your responsibility. And he said, I would recommend you keep this in your desk, and the next time you're tempted to insert yourself in things that either uh, you know, somebody else needs to handle or something else, you let them go gather the monkeys. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. And man, I have had to learn this lesson over and over and over again. In fact, anybody who gets into ministry will tell you that one of the hardest lessons that you have to learn and being a pastor is that you can't fix people. People have to make decisions. I can advise them, I can pray for them, but I can't fix them. Has anybody else ever learned that lesson the hard way? That's what we're talking about. And so sometimes I'm anxious because I'm inserting myself in other people's affairs. The second thing that can cause anxiety in my life, I may be anxious because I'm feeding on trash instead of God's truth. I'm feeding on trash. You go, does the Bible say that? Well, you tell me. Proverbs 15, 14. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while a fool feeds on trash. Yeah, it says that. Other translation, feeds on folly. What's folly? Trash. Foolish stuff. I'll tell you how anxiety can happen. My goodness, thanks to our cell phones now, we can be convinced within any 24-hour period the economy is about to crash, we're about to enter nuclear war, all our friends hate us, and my life is terrible. That could happen any day. And so a big question is, what am I filling my mind with? Have I read God's word? No, I didn't have time, but I had time to listen to all sorts of upsetting things on this. Got to be careful here. I mean, just like our physical bodies need good food, our minds need good thoughts. A wise person is hungry for knowledge. The fool feeds on trash. Thirdly, I may be anxious because I'm just overloaded. And again, these are things I've dealt with. I've allowed all these things in my life. All of a sudden, I'm just a ball of anxiety. I can't focus. I can't eat. I'm distracted. Ah! And sometimes it's because I'm overloaded. I took too much on my plate. Eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to thinking of what I can handle. This was obviously happening when Mary and Martha, two women that Jesus knew, he stopped by their house one day. Uh, and they were honored to have him and the disciples as guests in their home for dinner. But Martha got busy fixing the dinner while Jesus was uh, teaching the disciples in the next room. In fact, she came in after in the middle of her preparations for dinner. You can imagine her wiping her hands on her apron going, Lord, tell my sister Mary to quit sitting there listening to you. No offense, Jesus. But tell her to get in the kitchen and help me. And here's, what, here's Jesus' response. This is in Luke 10. Now Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, but the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it and will not be taken away from her. 
I can get so overloaded, I don't even have time to listen to Jesus today. But boy, I'm, I'm making good time. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm, I'm going fast. And then I wonder why I'm so anxious. Might be just because I've bit off more than I can chew. Hmm. Fourthly, I may be anxious because I'm trying to please others. Now, these two are related. Sometimes one of the reasons I take more on my plate is I'm trying to please others. And some of you may have discovered this too. If you're willing to help other people, there'll be other people glad to push stuff on your plate. Oh, yeah. And so now, oh, yeah, I'll help you with that. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, I'll handle that. Okay, I'll handle that. And now all of a sudden, I'm angry or I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. And it was just because I was trying to please everybody. I said, yes. Why would you say yes to that? Well, they asked. Hmm. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. And so that's why it's so important to ask the Lord how much we can handle and not be people pleasers. I might be anxious because I'm just trying to please others too much. Number five, I may be anxious because I'm trying to keep all of my options open. Now, we're rewarded for this today. If you just hang on and wait for another six months, a new version will come out, and the one you really want, have off. And so we postpone necessary decisions over and over again. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, um, and we already know that we shouldn't be doing this, but we don't want to be rude. So it's like, yeah, um, I'll think it over. I'll let you know on Monday. Now I've got all the decisions of Monday plus whatever it was from Friday or Saturday, and now I've got now I'm juggling five things. And I don't like conflict in the first place, and now I go, oh my goodness, why did they even ask me? I don't even know why this is happening. I'm so anxious. Same thing was happening, it's always happened, where we won't make a decision. We want to keep our options open. The people of Israel had come into the promised land. And the Lord had commanded them to worship only him. But their neighbors worshiped these pagan gods of fertility and of agriculture and the Asherahs and the Baals. And so they would offer sacrifices to them instead of the true God, the God of rain and the God of bountiful crops, the goddess of bountiful crops. And so the prophet Elijah <coughs> stood before them one day and said, hey, we're going to have a contest here. And he challenged the priests of all these pagan deities to come, and they would each have a sacrifice they presented before the Lord and asked the true God to send down fire on their sacrifice. And the priests of Baal went first, and they chanted all day, and nothing happened. Elijah stood forward. He prayed a simple prayer, and God sent down fire. But before he ever prayed the prayer, here's what he said to the people of Israel. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Please under, the people were completely silent. Keep my options open. I mean, sometimes we have so much stress, there's something we need to do. I just, uh, I, I mean, I know I need to do it, but I'll, I'll make a decision tomorrow. And it all snowballs on us. Lots of anxiety from that. And again, hear these as a pastor sharing you. These are things I've done in my own life. Sixthly, I may be anxious because I have a guilty conscience. Oh yeah, there's that. That'll cause anxiety. 
Because now I can't even go into Walmart because so-and-so's in there. I saw their car in the parking lot, so now i got to wait out here until they come out. I mean, this is true. Now i got to worry if I'm at a party. Oh, no, now I'm going to run into them. And, oh, I haven't apologized for that. Uh, let's just leave. And so now a perfectly happy event can be ruined because I'm a ball of anxiety over unconfessed sin. David talked about this, Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'm going to confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. Now my guilt is gone. My goodness, we carry unnecessary anxiety simply because we haven't dealt with our guilty conscience. Number seven. I may be anxious because I have more faith in my circumstances or my problems, circumstances or problems, than I do in God. I mean, see, this is the real challenge, isn't it? If I really believe that the God of heaven is the creator of heaven and earth, and I really believe that he created me, and I believe he's stronger than any problem I face, well, then why do I put more confidence in the problem than I do in the Lord who says he'll help me deal with my problems? I and mean, this is obviously the challenge that's facing Peter in the situation we're about to read about in Matthew 14. Jesus has sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee, and a storm has come up. And they are struggling in the waves and the wind. And Jesus walks, comes out walking on the water. And Peter calls out to Jesus as he's about to pass them by. He says, Lord, if that's really you, then let me come out on the water walking to you. And this pleases Jesus, because this is going to be an act of faith. And he says, come on, Peter, come. So Peter steps out of the boat, and he starts walking toward Jesus. But listen to what happens. But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? See, in our lives... The wind and the waves are going to come. Scary circumstances are headed our way. Pressure situations are headed our way. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have many trials and troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Keep your eyes on me. So the question is not, are we going to face anxious thoughts? The question is, where are we going to put our faith when they come? How are we going to respond? And this is what brings us to point three. I want to suggest three practices that will help us overcome anxiety so we keep our eyes on Jesus, so we don't get overloaded, so we don't stick our nose in other people's business, so we don't walk around anxious, no peace, no quiet, no rest, and trouble just keeps coming. What are three practices I can practice every day, every week, to make sure that I'm dealing with these things when they come along? Well, let me suggest them right here. First of all, we can worship God daily. Worship is exalting God, not my problems. I mean, think about this. If I'm going to surrender my problems to the Lord, wouldn't it be important for me to, first of all, get a proper perspective on who the Lord is? I mean, one of the big reasons that I, have, I can focus on my problems is my problems are right there in front of me. I can see them crystal clear. What I've lost is perspective. Because I haven't been focusing on God's power and his might and his wonder. 
It's one of the reasons why we start every worship service here, our corporate worship times together at Centerpoint, they always start with singing. Because as we sing together, we're uniting our hearts, reminding ourselves, God is good. God is merciful. God is kind. God is powerful. God is for us. He's adopted us into his family. He loves us. And that is so easy to lose that perspective when we're going through a hard week. And everything around us would scream at us, hey, you're in this by yourself. Good luck with that. God must have forgotten all about you. And the devil would love to keep us stirred up that way. Listen to David, Psalm 34. I will praise the Lord at all times. Would you underline at all times? Because we're going to come back to that. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Oh, the joys. I mean, a big part of dealing with anxious thoughts and a practice that can help us hit them head on is spending time in praise. I wish I could tell you that I have known this my whole life. God is making this clearer and clearer to me every year of my life. When I feel anxious, when I feel afraid, one of the things I've learned to do is go spend time in prayer. That's the note here. And I always begin with praise. We need to practice praising God even when we don't feel like it. This is the big thing that God has shown me, especially in the last year or two of my life. How important it is to praise God when I don't feel like it. Hebrews 13 refers to it this way. For this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. A sacrifice of praise is bringing praise when you don't feel like it. I mean, it's Paul and Silas when they're in, clamped in stocks in the dungeon of a prison after being beaten at midnight. They're singing praises to God, singing hymns, because their situation is desperate, and it's obviously clear they're in trouble. So what would you do? Sing praise to the God who's bigger than your troubles. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is so counterintuitive because we get in problems. We might even pray to the Lord, but we skip the all-important step of praise, and we go straight to him, and we offer up a litany of, Lord, you saw the way she treated me. Lord, you know what they said about me. Lord, you saw this, and Lord, this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this isn't right. Amen. I don't feel any better. Well, of course not. All you did was vent to God. I mean, sometimes people come to see me and they'll, they'll do this in my office and they'll talk about this, this relationship and this problem at work and this and that and other things and we'll talk for a while and I'll go, well, well, how can I help you? And they'll go, well, I don't know. And I go, well, can I suggest something? Yeah. And what we do is we spend some time going over this list. There's a list in your bulletin here. A few characteristics of God. If you were with us last fall, we did a section on prayer and adoration. We published this. I'm giving you this again with a number of scripture references here. We go over some of the characteristics of God, about that God is all-powerful and all-knowing. 
that he's eternal and unchanging, that he loves us, and even when we go through hard times, he's doing these things for our good. And we'll read those scriptures together, and that God is patient and forgiving. And we'll read this together, and we'll spend 10 minutes just reading about God and talking about how great he is and other things. And I've had people even stop me and go, okay, what just happened here? I go, what do you mean? They go, well, you haven't, we haven't solved any of the problems I came in here with, but we read over this, we looked at these scriptures that talk about how great God is, and I feel better. Why would that work? And I go, because you put your eyes on Jesus and not on your problem. Now we can pray. I'm not just venting to God. I am asking the God of heaven, the almighty king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who knows all things, to give me wisdom and power and might to face my problems head on. And he will. And he does. And all of a sudden, I'm not anxious anymore. I still have the problem. I still have the scary situation. The waves and the wind were still blowing when Jesus said, get out of the boat. He didn't calm the storm on that instance. He said, why'd you doubt me? Why'd you look at the wind and the waves? Keep your eyes on me. So I literally go through this list. Sometimes I'm, I'm all balled up in anxiety and I vent to my wife. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And she said, you need to go pray. I mean, which means she's, take your list. She'll even tell, take your list. Go. I can come back 10 minutes later and I will actually even be just singing a simple chorus about how God is so good. And I think of this. None of the problems were solved in those 10 minutes, but my attitude changed. Now I'm not anxious anymore. Now I have peace. That brings us to point two, point B. We can pray about everything. Start with praise, though. What sense does it make to bring problems to a God you don't believe in? Why would I trust a God who doesn't know anything more than I do? That I just vent to. But if he is the king of all kings, well, he can help me. He's for me. And with that in mind, now listen to Philippians 4. This is Paul's advice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Notice, Paul didn't say, then all your problems will magically disappear. That's not what he said. He said, then you'll have peace in the midst of the crisis instead of anxiety. But it starts with praise. Don't miss that. Finally, third thing we can do over and over again is we can share our concerns with others. With other believers, and if you'd also write in there uh, professionals too, so I want to get back to counselors and stuff, but we can share our concerns with other believers. It starts with other believers, and we may even need some professional help sometimes because we're going through something where we could use some counsel. But one of the lies of the devil that is so clever is, I'm the only one going through this. God doesn't love me. I can't figure it out. And so now I'm just paralyzed. I don't even know what to do. I meet people, they've left perfectly good jobs because they're a ball of anxiety, and they never even reached out for help, so they just quit because they were so anxious about their job. 
They walked out of perfectly good relationships and they just quit because they didn't even seek counsel. My friends, we're not alone. This is why God wants us to be in relationships with other believers. It's why we want you to be in a connect group here so you can build relationships with others where we can share our concerns with each other. Listen to Galatians 6 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. You know where Jesus said the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself? Well, that's how we do it, by sharing each other's burdens. I lose perspective on things, and I need your help to get it back. I need my wife to tell me, go. Go pray. That helps. And there's no supper till you do. That really helps, okay? <laughs> but, but my point is, I need that. So do you. We need each other. James 5. Confess your sins to each other. So I have a guilty conscience. What do I do? Well, go confess it. And ask somebody else, how do I make this right? And then pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We need each other. We need other believers. As I said, you may need to even go see a professional counselor. We have some wonderful counselors who are in this church. We also have others we can recommend you, some godly men and women who can help you untangle problems you can't untangle on your own. So here's the topic of today, anxiety. I'm going to go through scary things this week, pressure situations, difficult problems. They're coming. The question isn't whether or not I'll face them. Jesus said we would. The question is, how will we deal with them when they come? First of all, let's ask God to show us, hey, why am I so anxious? I mean, David showed us how. Lord, search me. See if there's any anxious way within me. Point it out. Then I spend some time worshiping God, thanking him that he's the king of all kings, that he's stronger than any problem I face, asking them to give me wisdom and direction on how to deal with this. And I also ask a friend to help me. Well, now all of a sudden, I have help, and I can work through the problems that make me so anxious, and I can find peace. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that you do not want us to live anxious lives. You want us to change our outlook. And Father, we lose perspective so easily. The wind and the waves are immediate and they scream at us. Sometimes, Lord, I have opened up a whole barrel of monkeys. It's not even my business. I've done things to please others when I shouldn't. I have overloaded my schedule. Lord, I have refused to deal with a problem, and I've just kicked the can down the road, and now I have twice as much trouble for it. I've done all these things. Please forgive me. Show me the right way to go. If the Lord spoke to you about something that's making you anxious, and you identified a problem you could relate to something that I deal with, would you say, Lord, I heard you? Would you show me how to deal with this? I don't want to be anxious today. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thanks for hearing our prayers. Amen.